0: welcome to the peace over pain podcast with dr kevin reese where we examine the body as a whole unit and move people from health burdens to health miracles so get your questions ready because the show starts now
1: good morning and welcome to the peace over pain podcast it is July 5th, 2022. I'm your host, Joe LaChance, and I'm here with the author of Peace Over Pain, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Welcome, Dr. Reese. How are you today?
2: Happy New Day, Joe. I'm excited because I trimmed my ears today. <laughs> and as an older gentleman, sometimes we got, you know, we got to take care of our ears. So
1: well, yeah, I had to do my nose yesterday, believe it or not. So I understand that. <laughs> But before we get started, I just wanted to remind people that we will be taking your questions at around 1030. So if you have a question for Dr. Reese, please leave them in the comments or click the Zoom link in the description to be live on air. So, all right, Dr. Reese, we're getting into it now. We talked about the two other, the three macro methods of healing, and we got through the first two we talked about postural therapy being number one, number two, being clinical nutrition. And now we're on to number three, which is the third macro method of healing, which Mindful. is mindfulness. And it's actually one of my favorite topics. You know, it's it's a pretty big topic. It's a, you know, mindfulness is kind of a buzzword out there. You see it around and, you know, maybe, but a lot of people don't know what it is and what it's in entails, you know, they think about, oh, mindfulness is meditation and yoga and inspirational quotes, memes on the internet, you know, <laughs> things like that, chanting or, or their spiritual practice. I think a lot of people, um, you know, correlate their spiritual practice with mindfulness. Right. And, and I think there's more to it than that. I think it's yeah. an overall philosophy and an overall way of life. So explain a little bit about your version of mindfulness.
2: It's a non-religious method of managing your thoughts, your emotions, and your surroundings and your circumstances. Right. In other words, not letting your onboard computer, which we call a mind, hijack your life.
1: Right, right. That's the
2: simplest way that I can put it. And so many people are suffering with anxiety, or, and or depression. And it's not necessary. And I know that triggers some people. But thankfully, I like triggering people.
1: (laughs) I kind of have that uh, ability myself um but right so you you're because i know a lot of people they go visit a a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they say oh you know i'm suffering from depression and things like that and and depending a psychiatrist is going to tell them well it's a chemical imbalance you know and you need a pill you know you're going to need a pill
2: well you know a a chemical imbalance would take us back to last episode i was just going
1: to make a correlation
2: nutritional (laughs) deficiency
1: Right. I was just, yeah, that was where I was going with that. So, you know, if maybe if you took care of the nutritional deficiency, along with some mindfulness, you wouldn't need those drugs. You wouldn't need to visit that psychiatrist every week and pay him, you know,
3: yeah.
1: um, and you would be able to do self-care, you know, really self-care and know how to do it. Right. Um, So, you know, you talk about the brain being an onboard computer, and and I love that, you know, I love that analogy, um, because we really are, if you really look at it, you know, we have a hard drive, basically, where we store all of our memories, we store our information in there. And then we have like a motherboard, right, which would be like the brain itself, actually.
2: Yeah,
1: and the spine coming off of it. And the spine coming off of it. Right. And then, you know, the heart would be the power source. You know, they all have a power source. Our eyes are the screen, you know. So if you really look at it, we really are. And even some of the terminology we use for computers is used for humans.
2: Yep.
1: You know, and so what do you do with a computer? Right. I would say, like, when we're born, our hard drive is pretty blank, except for the base programming. And and when you say, you know, as a computer, we are programmed. And I think people need to to understand that, that we're programmed from day one. Mm -hmm. It's in our DNA, we have base programming, that keeps our heart beating, keeps our lungs breathing, keeps our, you know, circulating, dictates when we sleep, when we eat, you know, these are all programmed into us from birth. Uh, so that's your base programming, right? It's
2: like Animal. It's like animal programming.
1: Yeah. It's like your, Oh, well, yeah, I, I liken it to the animals. You know, people say, well, why do we, why does the uh, you know, why does the, the animal uh, just do the eat gather nuts and do this all day? Because that's what it's programmed to do, you know, and they all have their function in the world. And what are the bees? Why do the bees just know what to do? Because they're born with the programming in there. Why do they know to spread the pollen? That's their function. And we're the same way. So anyway, you get born with the base programming, but then you become programmed, right?
2: Yeah, basically it really starts around two. That's when the ego kicks in. And that's what they call the terrible twos. Right. And you start
1: having a will of your own a little bit.
2: Right. And it's like I describe in the book, if you take a toy away from a child, a two year old, there's usually a big temper tantrum. Yeah. That's a lot of mental pain. And this carries over into adult life. And people don't like to lose things or have things taken away from them.
1: Right 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 and even that
2: all programming it's all right
1: and even that phase that terrible too is kicked off by the programming in your genetics Yep, that's even programmed in your growth throughout life your puberty programmed in that doesn't you know what i mean yeah (laughs) that doesn't just happen and so so two years old right you start to become you know uh programmed let's say you start to learn different things you have your own will you've probably been starting to learn right from wrong right yeah, yeah. and but your main programmers are
2: mom and dad i mean to
1: begin with right
2: totally mom and dad that's why when we get older we have not everyone but a lot of people have resentment towards mom and dad or they have all these issues. Because these are the first two human beings that we want approval from. And the interesting thing about it is they're running off of their programming.
3: Right, right.
2: So it's, it's not even their fault. And so when we understand this, when we come to this understanding, you start to get free. because. Right you stop blaming people right and like you know i caught some slack recently because i made a comment about you know when the when the shootings happened recently i mean there's been a bunch but the one in texas the one in buffalo right where i you know didn't blame the shooter and and some people were like (gasps) oh Like the shooter is running off of their programming.
1: Right. Right. So
2: instead of becoming a victim and falling into victim oriented thinking, it's better to have the mindfulness and the understanding that every single human being is programmed. Right. And in that programming is going to be mistakes and flaws right so this these young men are acting out by shooting okay and they're killing people of course that's not thumbs up but your programming is not that far off so yeah maybe you don't go kill someone but maybe you yell at someone right or maybe you criticize
1: judge people
2: you judge people or you maybe maybe you you steal from people or maybe violent
1: punch walls
2: maybe you punch walls fight with people yes so we're all very flawed and some people just take it all the way and they murder they steal and that's just that's all programming and um, this is highlighted very nicely in the movie the joker right where the man went through so much stuff and then society kind of cast him away and then he finally said screw it okay here we go (laughs) and he freed himself right but not to get too off topic here but our programming typically happens from two to twelve.
1: Two to so twelve but it does continue
2: it, it does continue so by the time you're 13
3: Puberty. you're
2: you're pretty darn programmed and you have what we call an ego mm. and an ego is basically your identity it's your right. false self
1: it's your created self it's that not- you use yeah
2: yes. it's not yeah. even real it's just it's our computer created it a so personal like yeah right so when i was 13 14 i was already thinking i'm going to become a broadcaster mm. and i was already thinking oh, i'm going to become i'm going to broadcast for the new york yankees or become a vj like you know like someone on mtv and right. that sowed my 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 ego, and so I knew exactly what I was gonna do come 16, 17, go into broadcasting school and then going go into college, et cetera. So everyone develops this ego and this identity and their likes and dislikes are there, their desires are there, their dream. Everyone talks about the dream. So in the book, I call it dream-based reality. Right, and of course, that's an oxymoron. That's because a, we're
1: living in a dream world, in a world,
2: because of the onboard computer.
1: Right, right.
2: So the computer, if the computer takes over, <laughs> and you, as a human, don't understand that you're not your computer, right, then you get caught in the dream
1: exactly you operate as if that is the real you that's why you get offended yeah that's right exactly right when it's not it's like your persona and and you know people don't the word persona in greek mask right yes your mask it's like your avatar that you have for this video game this simulated i you know i'm getting deep but this this reality it's like your avatar that you're using to play this game, right yeah. and it and like you say, the programming comes from your parents in the beginning, but I don't think a lot of people realize the other sources of it. It can come from school. Oh, That's school, a big one.
2: School's a big one. Once you go to kindergarten and school, I can't speak for other areas, but in, here in America, they're basically preparing you. For our jungle, our wilderness, which right. is called capitalism. Right. And so in capitalism, you have to compete. And this is our wilderness. So right. the rabbits and the squirrels and the coyotes and the foxes, they're all out in the wild and they're all surviving in their own way. Our survival in society is capitalism we all have the opportunity to get rich or poor
1: right depends on our programming
2: (laughs) a lot of it depends on our programming that's right yeah so there's been a lot of people who grow up poor and end up rich
1: because they change the programming right they consciously switch the programming which will bring us to mindfulness in a second but i just want to wrap this up to say you said it from usually age two to 12 that you get your, your main programs, you know, you pretty much have developed your ego by then, and your personality and your identity. Um, and you know, the sources of programming are like you said, parents, school, government, yep. media, 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 huge, uh, programming, especially nowadays, and, and now it's even social media. People don't realize the influence that, they, that that kind of stuff has still, even at age 30 or 40, on their brain and how it's still programming them a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they're supposed to feel a certain way about a certain issue or they're supposed to do certain things. So, You know, and but so we understand that we're programmed and that's why we do the things we do. That's right. Um, So you get you, you, okay, you get to a point where your life's not working, right? You're having all, you know, all these things that you you still have hopes and dreams, like you say, but they just don't seem to be working out. You get to the point, you know, where you decide you're going to take over your own mind and control your own programming and this is where mindfulness comes in
3: yeah.
1: where you kind of you have to make the realization first that you almost have two personalities you know you yeah. have to kind of realize there are two selves
3: yeah and or
2: or you can look at it as you know the soul or beingness right know, it's
1: it's it's if you look at the yin and yang right yeah it's a whole but there's actually two parts inside that whole to make it one and you could say the human is that the human brain is that way too you know there are two parts that make one one brain one mind whatever you want to call it
2: yeah the shed the light and the dark right
1: right and and you know it's true we all have to admit we have a dark side and sometimes that dark side takes over the programming let's be real because we're, we're of what cap- is on the outside world
2: we're all capable of murder all right all of us all right. of us that's right and you know it because everyone has that one person maybe even two or three that can get under your skin like yeah. no one else
1: and you want it, yeah
2: and you get so frustrated and so angry and it builds and it builds and it builds and it's when it builds that you become capable of murder
1: right right
2: now whether you go through with it or not
1: there's another whole, story is
2: another story
1: but i understand that i do i know that feeling i'm sure we've all had it so you get to the point where you want to change basically and you make this realization okay i have two selves and and, and you know i need to change this is where mindfulness comes in where do you start
2: well the first step is the realization that you are not your onboard computer.
1: You're not your ego.
2: You you have to watch it. You have to become a watcher.
3: Watcher, right? An observer. Something
2: in the book, I break down the thoughts in the two categories. There's Santa Claus thoughts and there's Michael <laughs> Myers thoughts. It's a very simple analogy, and Santa Claus and Michael Myers are fictional characters. They are not. Real. Real. Right. So, this analogy, you know, I've come up with a lot of analogies in my career, and this one might be the best. Yes. Because you know, when you watch a Michael Myers movie, you know it's not real. Like, you know, Mm. that Michael Myers isn't going to jump out of the bushes and come get you. You know it for a fact. So, it's important that you come to the conclusion that the mind is just spewing out things based off programming. And if you know, it's not real, then that's the realization that, Oh, I don't have to give it any power anymore. Right. And right. Same thing with Santa Claus. Now, I would much rather have Santa Claus thoughts than Michael Myers thoughts. But, but Santa Claus is fake too. Right. So when you have those feelings of, ah, I'm so joyful, I'm the man, I'm doing so good. And a lot of times Santa Claus thoughts come from music.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you listen to music and you like i remember i used to listen to a lot of jay-z and why because it's successful it was you know you can you can overcome and become rich and be powerful and you know and so music i used to listen to rocky music that would get me excited to work out and have the visions of i can overcome i can be an underdog and i can this and This isn't real. This is music putting a battery in your back and making you have Santa Claus thoughts. But Santa Claus thoughts are not real. They're just feeding into your ego.
1: Yeah, exactly. Michael
2: And Michael Myers thoughts would be the anxiety and the depression and the what if this, what if that. And oh, my gosh, what if I die? Oh, my gosh. And so that's not real either. So all we have is right here and right now.
1: And that's the key to mindfulness, really. And I listened to your podcast, you know, today, this week, and you were talking about the enlightened life and mindfulness came up. And it really is. It's about living in the now and thinking about what is happening now because a lot of that programming brings you back to the past right or makes you think about the future
2: yeah Yeah. so yeah Yeah. the people with anxiety anxiety is a, a symptom of fear right and fear is in the future there's no fear in the past
1: no, it's it's more like remorse, sadness, the, the other negative. Things.
2: Right, right. And so we're in dream-based reality. And, you know, this relates big time to the Peace Over Pain clinic and book and all that. Because when you don't feel good, when you're in pain and discomfort, and your body's doing things that maybe you're not used to the mind can jump in mm-hmm. and make it worse. Right. Right. And so we have to nip this in the bud. In right. To feel this, the body can heal follows the mind through the mind. Yes. And so, you know, that's why I bring all. Th- that's why we have the three macro methods and right. In the- You know in order to heal faster and more efficiently but the example that i like to use we can all relate to and that's horniness (laughs) okay so let's all be adults here when you have a sexual fantasy the body has a sexual reaction
3: yes
1: Right, like it's reality,
2: ladies. You know what I'm talking about, fellas. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't need to give you details, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, knowing that, we can make the conclusion that the body follows the mind. Yes, now it's the same thing with anxiety the mind goes here the body goes there
1: and illness
2: and illness so same with depression the mind goes here the body goes here right and so we're creating quite a bit with our onboard computer and This needs to be taken care of just as much as drinking the 90 essential nutrients and just as much as doing your postural therapy this is all a complete and holistic approach to healing the body like nobody's ever really seen before
1: right no i agree and i'm using it myself and i've seen results so Um, All right, so let's get into a couple methods. How do you how do you take control of your mind? How do you? I mean, I have my own certain methods, but there are certain ones that you lay out in the book. And and so let's, uh, let's go through them real quick. How do how do you do it?
2: Well, first and foremost, my first spiritual mentor always told me to never use the word control. Mm -hmm. He said, it's more restraint than control. not so sure we can control the onboard computer it acts on its own just like the body acts on its own right i can't control the thoughts
1: no what does andy say you're all you're listening you're not really thinking
2: right 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 you're listening to the computer spit out all this stuff right right our our buddy andy would call it the vomit box right and it's just going to do this and that and pa and you just watch and listen
1: don't pay that's, no mind
2: <laughs> that's step 1
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know that's step 1 in the 120 day program that we have i give people what i call the thank you meditation thank you meditation works there's, you know, some people go get cognitive behavior therapy. Some therapists are trained in cognitive behavior therapy. Right. I use Ho'oponopono. Uh, so uh, there are different mindfulness.
1: Right. Topics. And the thing with meditation, I think it, it's more of a, ma- a micro method within the macro. Yes. Because meditation, what it does, if you get it right, and you do it, uh, it it allows you to, to rise above that ego, and kind of almost be the watcher, be able to look at yourself from a different perspective and shut down your, um, your onboard computer. So what you're really listening to, again, is your true self or connecting with a higher source of energy within allows you to be able to be the watcher of your thoughts. Right.
0: Yeah. So,
1: oh, so you got to get to a point where, look, we all live in this world, unless you're living in an ashram up with the monks, you're not going to get this perfect. No. Because again, you're going to go out to the grocery store, and something's going to trigger you you know you're driving traffic and the negative voice in your head is going to go oh that son of a baby and you got to be able to go no he's acting on his programming you know that's right you're fine you know i mean you have to it's it's it becomes an inner dialogue it, you know it, what I'm saying it's a lot
2: easier with strangers than it is with your close loved ones um yeah especially someone you live with mom dad husband wife son daughter that's real those are really the people that are going to get you you know and and this right. is how and this is how we we test ourselves we have to go into the line of fire after the mindfulness training it's constant and right. the, the thing about mindfulness training is it's tedious cuz it's all it, the time
1: it is you constant and it is true it's like a child you know they call it the monkey brain you know, because it is, it runs around like a monkey and does it, and you got to keep an eye on it. You know, <laughs> you got to chase it around, you know, it's the same thing. It's, and you you know, it's your inner, your child brain too, Yeah, but yet you need it because it also is very good at problem solving, right? It, it does. It, the purpose of the mind is to help you get through this world. The problem is it's also, it's duty. It's job is to protect you. It's like to protect you. And it's almost like a helicopter, mom. And it's trying to protect you too much. No, don't do that. You know, it could be dangerous, you know, or things like that. So you got to look at it, you know, like a different part of you. And, you know, the more you watch it, the better you get. And I know in the book that you, uh, you know, you go through a a bunch of different um, techniques on how to do it but um we're getting to the point where we're ready to take uh some questions and stuff okay. uh so before we do that
2: do we I have just, somebody we have somebody that there's actually... somebody in the
1: waiting room we're going to bring her in right after this message Nice. <laughs> finally someone's brave
0: someone got brave
1: so let's uh let's play this message
0: have you read peace over pain yet this short but powerful book Reveals how to eliminate chronic pain and/or illness faster than any other known therapeutic approach. Download the Peace Over Pain book for only $4.95, and gain instant access to the ebook version, audiobook version, and a video training with Dr. Reese. Go to peaceoverpain.com and start reading or listening right now. This is the information you've been praying for
1: all right so it's time uh we're gonna do our question uh, period do you want to go with the guest first
2: oh, she's been waiting it seems like we might as well yep
1: waiting patiently let's bring her on in this is t marie and she has a question for you dr reese
3: i did admit her <laughs> well
1: while we are waiting. I I admitted her. I don't know what happened. There she is. Okay. T Marie, are you there? I think it's Christine. Christine.
4: Yes, yes. Can you guys hear me?
1: Yes. Yes, yes, we can hear you.
4: Hello, so um, I am uh, unable to be on camera this morning.
1: Oh, Oh, we just lost her. We lost her there. Man. She must have a bad connection. I was Call excited. back in, T. Please try it. If you have the Zoom app, use your Zoom app. <laughs> you can download it on your phone. But
2: I was excited to have someone on. It's like being lost in the desert, and it's like a human, a human right?
1: Daughter. Right. Water. <laughs> All right. Well, we can uh, we can go with a question we got on the internet. Sure. Um and. Uh, We'll start with that. So our first question of the day came actually this morning from a Renee Green, and she says, "What would be the cause of a thyroid uh, nodule?"
2: Thyroid nodules, you know, probably a pocket of lymph. you know
1: Hardens up.:
2: Yeah. most nodules and Cysts and tumors and things like that is just lymphatic fluid sticking together.
1: Blocking. And how do you how do you get rid of that without surgery?
2: Well, you gotta get the lymph moving. And so we gotta look at posture. Posture is the big cause of lymphatic stagnation.
1: Okay, right, and inactivity. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of things. We did talk about jumping on a trampoline, there's all kinds of different things. can do to stimulate your lymphatic system so basically uh go towards your lymph your lymph system so okay very very cool so here's one that kind of has something to do with what we talked about today um so this comes from tom on facebook and he says i'm a listener of your inner peace podcast and commend you for being so open about your dark night of the soul experience. Hmm. What would you say the difference between a dark night experience and regular depression?
2: Okay, well, dark night of the soul is when you start purging your pain body, all the emotions, everything that you've suppressed and repressed in your life, and it all starts to come out. Right. Typically, this is a lot of crying. Um, sometimes it's long periods of crying. Typically, it's crying every day. Mm-hmm. Dark night of the soul is not something that lasts for a week, it goes very long time. And it's an opportunity to get into your mindfulness. And to really start working on yourself. Right. And fear, to really conquer your fear.
1: A big
3: fear.
2: Depression is different. Depression is typically you are upset with the past and you are now in victim oriented thinking right and you are f the world right and you're typically i just don't want
1: to deal with it right
2: typically sleep a lot and you don't want to do anything and you know a lot of people they stop going to their job they stop showering they you know they they just don't care anymore dark night of the soul is not like that you still care and you're still motivated to do things. In fact, you're motivated to get rid of the dark night. Right. It's, almost, it's almost like you have a disease in a way and you want to get rid of it. You're motivated yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah. And it's just acceptance. It's just, you have to accept what's happening and just get it all out, get it all out because its it's beyond you. Right. It's beyond you. It's more of a divine type of thing. Right. And you're going to, um, you just have to be ready to die.
1: Because I'll tell you, I went through one when my mom died. It was, you know, and you, you said, you mentioned this again on the podcast, that a lot of times it has to do with a loss. And then as you were talking, it also, for me, I think first of all, they come out of nowhere. It's not, you know, and second of all, it's when you actually have to face one of your greatest fears, you know what I mean? And you really have to look it in the face and there's your, it's like, it's like a very long letting go process, like a very, very long letting go process. Um, Like I could say throughout my whole life, one of my greatest underlying fears was the fear of abandonment. You know what I mean? And when my mom died, it was the ultimate abandonment for me. Mm. And it was six months, six months of daily crying. No matter what I tried to do, Kevin, I could meditate. I could go take a walk. I could smoke weed. I could do Anything I tried, I could not get out of it. Right. And it took six months of of literal hibernation. And, you know, I still had to go to work and deal with life, but it was was just a dark, that's the best word for it. All I remember is darkness. Yeah. You know, like, I can't even tell you what I did during that period, but I just remember it was freaking darkness all the time. That's right. Crying for no reason.
2: And it almost always comes from loss, a death of a loved one, loss right. of a job, things like that. Depression is just different. Depression is, depression is victim-oriented thinking.
1: Right. I mean, Why is this it, happening to me?
2: Yeah. Depression is like you go into victimhood and the onboard computer is taken over.
1: Right. And then again, you know, we have the people who are diagnosed with the clinical depression, that would be which is n-
2: nutritional deficiency. De- right.
1: I was just right, which would be the quote unquote chemical imbalance. You know, when we get into that, you know, because mental health is a big issue these days. And, you know, this even maybe bipolar could be as much as a nutritional deficiency, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so schizophrenia too
1: yeah so you talk about the dark night you kind of know when you're in one why well, do you know when you're out of one
2: <laughs> when you stop crying
1: yeah it's almost like it, it becomes light again it like the world starts to lighten up and you can almost see through this curtain that was in front of you
2: yeah 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 you know that's absolutely you start to you know every time it happens, you you get your heart opens up a little more. Right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It looks like
2: um, Christine T Marie, we I don't know what her name is, because it's different every time. But it looks like she's back.
1: Okay, well, let's let her in and hear her question. I guess it takes a minute to connect. There we go. All right, T, how are you? Sorry, we lost you. Looking forward to hear your question. We actually, this is our first guest. So we were kind of disappointed when you dropped off, but now we can see you. Very cool. How are you today, T? in the hall.
4: Hi, I'm doing very well. And I'm grateful to have figured out my, you know, I had my laptop going at the same time, you know, with the Facebook and my phone and a new Bluetooth keyboard that wasn't working. So I was like, Anyway, I'm here. I'm present in the moment. And actually, it's incredibly um, hopeful and inspiring listening to you guys just talk and your discussion and the the things that you're bringing up and how relevant this is to where I am in my life right now. Um, And I've I've been seeing, um, you know, big, big patterns uh, related to um, codependencies and things outside of self and outside of the now that you know, are 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 pulling pulling you in constantly different directions, right? And and how much my chronic pain is tied to those other things, right? Because your system is saying like, oh, I need this to survive. I need this to reduce my pain. I need this, right? And right. Um, so I just want to thank you guys for for having this platform um, and opening up um, people's people's minds, right, to these ideas and concepts that we're discussing.
1: Oh, very cool. Well, did you have a question, a specific question? Did you did you want to ask
4: anything? Yeah, um, I do have a specific question. So when it comes to some of the all or nothing thinking um related to right addiction and codependencies with substances, right? And you see a lot of these these pro these um organizations, right, like AANA um and and sort of a theme or a pattern of like right you are either all in and you're sober for you know 40 years right or like if you don't make that commitment you you're gonna relapse and you're gonna die right so i'm just i'm curious about your guys's opinion on um like how, how you could sort of incorporate mindfulness and addiction and like give yourself grace or understanding or right. And where does that line walk with like that self-restraint?
1: Well, I can speak on this one. Um, <laughs> I can definitely speak on this one. I, uh, I have, uh, I have experience with those programs and I, I stopped going to those programs, but yet I did not take drugs or drink after well except for smoke weed but that's not a drug but so my opinion of those programs are this they are good to get people off the streets they are good to give people a community of like-minded people okay for for that reason however um it's programming they call it the program so There is definite Mm -hmm. programming, just like we talked about going on in there. That's why they call it the programming. Now, I'm not saying this is bad programming because I can tell you right now, the 12 steps, if done properly, are a path to enlightenment, okay? On their own with that, take out the alcohol, use them, and they, they can be a path to higher consciousness, okay? That is the 12 steps themselves. The problem is with AA, it's just like a religion where there becomes the people themselves bring in their own doctrines, their own beliefs. So that whole fear mentality of, oh, no, 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 you're going if you, if you go out and you leave the meetings, you're going to get high and you're going to have a relapse and, and all that kind of stuff. Um is not true. And, and part of the reason I left, and I'll be honest with you, because I wanted to prove it wasn't true. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. for me, I think it's those programs are good for beginners. You know, like they say in there, take what you want and leave the rest, because they do have, they talk about one day at a time, living in the now. There's some good things in there, the intellect, emotion, prayer. good stuff.
2: The serenity prayer
1: the serenity prayer right so there's good elements up there but again make no mistake about it it is programming they call it the program for a reason
2: i don't um, uh i don't have direct experience with the uh, with that but right i am a sitcom connoisseur and i love the, mo- the one the mom and you know it's a good sitcom and there's a lot of similarities with Ho'oponopono
3: mm-hmm.
2: because in Ho'oponopono, you have to make amends. Exactly. So it's similar, except you don't have to keep going into meetings. And right. so you keep, you, you, in addiction programs like that, you find this theme where it's people almost become addicted to the meeting. It's a I need a meeting. I need a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. I need a meeting. You're in a you're in a town, a strange town, and you're like, I need a meeting. Let's find the meeting. Gonna, we right. need a meeting, and and so, or your sponsor, right? Like, oh, I, I got to call my I sponsor,
1: right, right, right. It's right. like your guru,
2: right, right, <laughs> right. So, you know, um, I I know the twelve steps have helped a lot of people, so that's great. Um, but uh, you know, mindfulness. Mindfulness is pretty much the cure to everything. So,
1: now, good, good point you bring up up with addiction, Kevin. Is now, what do you, what do you, what do you, what is, what is the cause of addiction? I've heard like trauma. I mean, what is the cause? Is it something that you can stop with Uh, the nutritional?
2: It's obsessiveness.
1: It's obsessiveness. Right.
2: That's all it is.
1: So, it's a very basic.
2: Now, don't get me program. wrong. If something like heroin, for example, there that is has a, a chem- physical component. Yeah, there is a chemical factor there. Right. You know, hence right. detox.
1: Right. But right. Literally, people go through withdrawals so people, and
2: shakes. People become obsessed, and this is again, this is the onboard computer creating a dream. Right. And so you can become obsessed with anything you, you, you could, you can collect rocks. You, you, when I was a kid, I was huge into baseball cards. I Me was too. addicted Me too. to baseball cards.
1: Cause you got it. It made you feel good in some way, right? It's always things that make you feel, although some people get addicted to bad thing, you know, I, I don't mean like drugs, but literally pain and
3: sure.
1: being abused. Um, because so so it, it's, it's basically, and, and you would deal with that through mindfulness, pretty
2: much. A- absolutely. It, if mindfulness is the cure to pretty much everything. Right. And yeah, upset. We just become obsessive and we can become obsessive with ourselves, which is typically called being selfish. Mm. And you can become obsessed with everything, you know, you can be, you know, and anything, so- anything from sex to tattoos, anything.
1: Because it gives you some good feeling inside. It gives
2: you feeling And and it gives you identity. Right. Anything, identity, we stick our claws into when I was a kid I was a huge sports person. You walked in my room, there's gonna be photos of Michael Jordan, Barry Sanders, right. the guys that I idolized because they did things I couldn't even imagine. I was obsessed. If there was no obsession, sports would be out of business.
1: So they're playing on one of our most basic programs. Which is to become obsessed with things that we like, with things we, that give us pleasure.
2: We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. So we have to be a Democrat or a Republican or conservative or, or liberal or a Giants fan or a Green Bay Packers fan, or we need to, we need to be uh, you know, this religion or that religion, or we need to have this opinion or that opinion. But it's important to understand that none of it is real. It's literally not real. It's all made up. (laughs) Opinions are made up.
1: You're not. It's just uh, your political views. You know,
2: it's made up.
1: Yeah, it it is. It's all made up part of this illusory world. So Even
2: even the opinion that you gave about the twelfth. Yes. yeah that's my opinion that's your opinion based on direct experience right so that's a good opinion but opinions aren't real
1: right right and that was now, one
2: thing saying hey look there's the sun in the sky that's not an opinion
3: you can that's look up and go,
2: oh yeah there's a shiny thing in the sky it's not an opinion
1: right that's a fact. Right. It's a fact, Right. And that's when you start identifying with your opinions that, you know, it becomes part of your identity. Uh, that was one of it back to what T asked. One of the problems I had with AA was the first thing you would say is, hi, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic. Well, no, I'm not. There's a lot more to me than that. You know, uh, I'm not an alcoholic. I had a problem with alcohol. But I'm not drinking right now. So, therefore, I'm not an alcoholic. And I refuse and, to say it.
2: And the problem was all programming.
1: Yeah. I mean, you go to the meetings, and every day you're reinforcing that. Oh, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, I'm an alcoholic. Every single time you go to those meetings, it's reinforcing that. And how are you ever going to get over that? Because there's always that identity. That's associated with being an alcoholic. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah, it's, you have to give up that identity. No, you're not an alcoholic. You had a problem with alcohol, but now you're moving forward. You know what I mean? You're moving. And as long as you know, look, I'm not saying you should try. Oh, let me have a drink here. If, if you had a problem then you stay away from it. You know, it's like, if you had a bad relationship with a with somebody, of course, people. some people do keep going back, but the thing is you break up and you got to break up with the drugs and you got to break up with the alcohol and say, thank you very much. I learned a lot, but it's time to move on. Right? <laughs> How was, was that good tea?
4: That, that was very, very helpful. I just, I loved, um, the discussion that it brought forth and, and some things, you know, that I had, had, um, been pondering too, um, that you really, you really touched on, you know, that, that, connection that association with like your identity and also looking for a community something bigger than yourself um and and labeling yourself i mean uh, the i am statement is so powerful whatever you choose to put in after the i am
1: that's what you will become yep
4: yep yep.
1: all right right. we're gonna get on to another question
4: yeah thank you for calling in by
1: the way t feel free to call in any week She's in the hall like. of
2: fame. First one. She's in the that's hall that's of true. fame. Is the
1: first, first call. And, I love and, it.
4: Well, uh, Joe, Joe, Joe uh I just, I is one of my good friends here on Vieques, and I love, I love seeing you, like, just in your, your authentic, like, your, your, your passion here. It, it shines, and I, I love seeing this. Um, I'm definitely gonna go back and listen to the other podcasts, and I'm gonna buy this book on audiobook because um, I almost, I'm almost finished with another book It's called on um, the way out and talking about some similar, um, you know, strategies related to, to chronic pain. And so this is, this is all just like falling into alignment on the same page, literally and figuratively. So um, it's a pleasure to meet you, Dr. Reese, and to be the first one to, to just like, you know, propel this. I hope this gives it even more momentum moving well, forward. Thank
1: you so much. And you made me blush. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <Thank
1: you. laughs> All right, T. We will see you soon.
4: All right. Hasta luego. I'm going to stay on. Yeah, can You can stay, stay on, on and, and listen. To end the video. Okay, sweet. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye, guys.
1: So we got one from Josh on IG. And it is, can scoliosis be reversed
2: absolutely okay so the muscles are pulling the spine to the side and so what we need to do is we need to get the muscles more functional and then the spine will slowly start to get back back to normal scoliosis is especially if we get it in a young person right you know if somebody has scoliosis and they're let's say 12 years old you know, less work, right? If if they're, if they're 70 years old, more work. So yeah, postural therapy can definitely bring that back. And and then of course we would hit them with a protocol, get them on the right nutrients and, and, you know, get, you know, in the 90 essential nutrients, we got a ton of calcium and magnesium and yeah, we get that, get that going.
1: You could get that going. Right. So that's all you, and it seems that it would be, You know, it's a postural, it's a postural issue. Yeah. So uh, okay, good. So there's there's the answer for that. Okay. Now here's one. Do you think that we eat more because that that we eat more because unconsciously we are trying to get some nutrition?
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So if you notice. There's a lot of plant-based people that are chubby. Yes. Okay. There that's mineral deficiency. And a lot of people that are chubby or obese who are in the gym and they're on the treadmill and they're working hard and it's just not happening. And that is typically a mineral deficiency. Once you start putting it into your body you eat less because your 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 90 essential nutrients are being satisfied by the body and then now you're just eating some food for some satiation and some energy you know so in other words this is taking care of the nutrition (laughs) and then the food is just allowing you to walk and talk and get some energy and, right and, um so I can you relate. eat more to
1: get right yeah
2: i can relate i mean you can go back and look at photos of me and uh-huh. 10 I years remember. you know i would you know i i was um you know chubby i wasn't fat fat no. fat but I was you chubby. had more weight on you i was chubby and you know i was nutrient deficient so i had to nip that in the bud and now i'm um, you know, always around 170. So
1: right, right. Same with me. My weight has uh fluctuated uh quite a bit throughout my life, but that's an interesting correlation. That's something I never would have thought to be the same to uh be a reason. I just thought people, you know, were were hungry. But okay, so we have one more question here, mm-hmm. and this is a, a quick one. What are eye floaters and how do we get rid of them?
2: Eye floaters are collagen fibers in the eye Mm -hmm. and you know, it's kind of like dandruff of the eye.
3: Um. And
2: how do you get rid of them? Well, I mean, there could be a nutritional deficiency there and there could be a shoulder impingement there. Anything with the eyes, nose and ears, you got to think shoulders right away, shoulders, shoulders. So, you know, we need to see the position of the shoulders. And see if there's a blockage, see if there's an, an impingement.
3: Got it.
1: Got it. But Got eye it.
2: floaters aren't dangerous, and neither are nodules that we talked about earlier.
1: Oh, okay. So they're not dangerous. No. But they're just almost, you know, I, I find them as they're almost a little minor irritation.
2: Yeah, they're annoying.
1: Yeah, an annoyance. So, all right. Well, we're almost out of time for this week. And I just want to thank everybody who sent in questions and thank T for calling in much appreciated. And I think it was a great show today. I'm looking forward to next week. Just want to remind people to leave your questions uh, and comments for in the, in the Facebook group or actually,
2: I just want to chime in. We're actually, we're not here next week.
1: Oh yes. We're taking next week off.
2: Yep, because we're, we're launching the 120-day program next week. Oh, okay. With 20% off. Lovely. And then we'll be back the following Tuesday, and we're going to have Coach Amber.
1: And you're All oh right, Coach Amber's going to be on the show, so you finally get to meet the, the young woman who's been talking to you in the group. All right, everybody, thank you. Like, follow, join the Facebook group, share this video, and we will see you in two weeks.
0: Thanks for watching the Peace Over Pain podcast live inside our clinic's Facebook group. Be sure to submit a question or comment for next week's show at peaceoverpain.com. Also, perform some goodwill and tell a friend in pain that you found their solution. Refer them to the Peace Over Pain podcast and the Peace Over Pain book and help them move closer to their miracle.